You are listening to Climate Tech Stories and The Average Joe. Come get excited about the incredible work going on to protect and preserve our planet and listen to the human stories behind the climate tech movement. Each episode, Joe McDonald, founder of TIM, the Renewable Energy Marketplace, talks with leaders, investors, generators, and businesses who are putting their heart and soul into creating a positive future for all of us. Welcome to Climate Tech Stories and The Average Joe. I'm Joe, and I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Brown today. Paul is entrepreneur, investor, and currently founder and CEO of Bowl Foods, which is a company that's plant-powered and a force for good. So welcome, Paul. Hi, Joe. Thank you very much for uh, getting me on and taking interest in our story. Well, yeah, for sure. And to be honest, there's no one better to talk through a little bit more about what Bowl Foods is doing and, and, and the mission of the company right now. So why don't you go ahead? Yeah, so I guess Bowl Foods, we, we just had our seventh birthday, 2015. Uh, 30th of April 2015 is when we, we sold our first ever product and it's seven years but it, it feels like about 20 years in the making I don't know whether that's just generally an entrepreneurial vibe or, or specifically how I've been feeling but it, it's been we call it the boller coaster and it's been one hell of a ride over those seven years but without question uh the best decision I made from a work perspective to, mm. to, to go and set my own business up. It's something I've been passionate about doing for years. And we do what we do because we're in, in trying to inspire the world to eat more plants. So for people that don't know about bowl, we make 100% plant-based food. Uh, so from shakes to soups to salads and largely sell across retail in the UK and also uh, direct to consumer as well. And we have global ambitions. So my big aim is to become number one naturally plant-powered food brand on planet Earth. And uh, I can say we're a long, long way from achieving that. So there's a lot to do. Well, something to still get you up in the morning, at least, by the sounds of it. Oh, yes. There's, there, there, is a, there is a huge amount that we do. In fact, one of my biggest development areas is to try to make the main thing the main thing and, and don't try and do... <laughs> too much so I, I i definitely get feedback from the team on a, a semi-regular basis that um we're potentially trying to do too much too quick but maybe that's just part of the uh the dna of an entrepreneur what was the kind of journey that allowed you to seven years ago to think you know what i'm going to start a plant-based food company um obviously you spent a long time in innocent as well so it'd be really helpful to understand where those kind of core decisions came and what gave you the confidence that that was the right time to to go and start a, a new business i i've done a lot of zigging and zagging in my life i i when i was at school and i was only at university for a short time before i dropped out i was convinced that my career path would be sport related and i i, I definitely tried and failed football and rugby uh, failed quite simply because I wasn't good enough and reality struck and actually did make it as a professional snowboard instructor and was living and working in America but that only lasted a week as well because I nearly killed myself going over a, a jump that was far too big for someone of my ability so I, I spent the best part of a year recuperating in LA 
I wrote my first business plan to start a healthy food business when I was 21. Couldn't get that off the ground when I came back to Manchester and uh, yeah, knocked on the door of Innocent Drinks in 2001. They'd only just launched and spent 14 years there. So the passion for working in food was there from a young child because both my mum and dad ran pubs, restaurants, bars. My dad started the first ever wine bar in Manchester. And uh, when I knew that the sport thing was not going to pay the bills, I guess I, I fell into my next big love and innocent drinks being there when it was a tiny company and, and then becoming a global brand. It, I guess I dropped out of university, but that was the best possible business school I, I could have ever had the pleasure of working at. It was brilliant, inspirational founders, incredible team, true deep rooted purpose, big vision. So with Bol, um, I guess between myself and the amazing team here, just, just trying to take all those learnings and um, have a new chapter in, in the world of plant-based food. Amazing. And it sounds interesting. So even before um, Innocent, you had food, you had, uh, you seem to say you're also like passionate about healthy food, like well earlier uh, in, in your career. Like where, where did that come from? Was that sports nutrition or just... Yeah, definitely. I think I, I'm lucky that myself, my brothers were brought up regularly cooking with my mum, then playing a lot of sport quite early on. I realised if, if I was going to perform to my optimum, then I needed to eat and drink a, a, a decent way. And so the link between performance and food, I... I realized at a very young age without it becoming a big thing mm. so when I was in Los Angeles recuperating with a, a cast up to my shoulder and couldn't really do a huge amount physically I, I really did observe more the Californian way and lifestyle and everyone was eating lots of fresh fruit and vegetables and smoothies and veganism was still normal 20 years ago back there so it's kind of LA then felt like London does now. And that just, I guess, sparked something which had started pretty early on in my life. You sort of mentioned quite clearly in your materials that you really believe companies can be a force for good. So where do you think the, uh, where's the kind of root cause of realizing that, yes, I can you know, do something that's healthy, uh, but actually this could translate into something that improves or has a positive impact on the world. Like, was that something that was born from seeing that being so present in like innocent or, or was this something else that you've just cultivated over a period of time? I think that's such a great question and I've never been asked it like that. I mean, the reality is now we all get access to so much information, whether it's listening to podcasts or watching TED Talks and people like Simon Shinek and talking about the why, you know, whether it's at a personal level or a professional level. So purpose is, is an, an, an understanding why teams and cultures build and can become high performing teams is it's become so rolled out now that it'd be easy for me to answer that in quite a corporate way, but mm. I think that'd be boring. I honestly don't know where it came from. I suspect it came largely from, I, like I won the parent lottery. My, my parents brought me up and my, and my nana um, teaching me the importance of values and integrity and 
treating everybody like you would want to be treated and uh, manners maketh man and woman and all that stuff. So I don't know. I think I just learned from an early age that there was a lot more to life than you know, just making money and success was actually having great relationships with people and, uh, and having a positive impact and giving back. So I think all of that started at an early age and then joining Innocent, which was run by three founders who really cared about uh, Planet and we started our own charity very early on and all of that stuff, it just, it just became the norm for me and all the team that worked there. So when we started Bowl, we were profitable the first couple of years. We donated all of our profits to charity, uh, the Action Against Hunger charity. It's all about uh, stopping uh, acute child malnutrition. So we've got projects, uh, was running live in Rajasthan, India. Um, we became a B Corp. I thought we, I think we we're a B Corp before we became a B Corp. I, I believe that the corporate world uh, and, and capitalism, sustainable capitalism is here to stay. And so being part of a business that genuinely does try to do the right thing across all touch points, it just felt like the natural thing to do. And I guess ruthlessly, I think there's a reason why lots of greenwashing is happening at the moment because top, top talent doesn't, no longer just wants to go and work at a company that doesn't have those deep-rooted values and meaning and purpose and uh, if you, so I guess it, it, you know if, if you if you haven't set yourself up like that then I'm not sure future talent will uh, will, will want to work at a lot of these places so it's been easier for us because we've always been like that but I think it's a good thing that it's making everyone else put their ideas up too. Yeah um, and it's really interesting so I think several of our listeners who have founded companies or are in the climate tech space, um, B Corp is obviously, you know, a, a really uh, important uh, thing from a brand perspective. But obviously, as a younger company, when do you think is the right time to go through that B Corp process? Can it be as early as, you know, day one? Um, or does it take a lot of time um, actually to, to go through that process that perhaps isn't best well spent at the really early days of a startup? For me, there's a bigger question, which is, um, it's, it's not necessarily specifically around B Corp, it's about the business being set up in the way that you want to feel most proud about it. So I think using B Corp as a steer in those early days of you know, having a triple bottom line and really thinking about uh, structuring the business in a way that is, um, is about giving back. Uh, you know, get, getting yourself, founding team, investors, everybody clear about, about what those red lines are. Because you do, every business talks about having a purpose now. I, I think that only really truly gets challenged when you've got to put purpose over profit. Mm. And for people who don't know about our story, we won the new business of the year at the National Business Awards at the end of 2016 got given a trophy by William Haig. I then made a decision a few weeks later to, to half, the, half the size of the business. We dropped all meat, fish and dairy from the products. And this was in 2016-17. And uh, I, I knew that was going to put us back quite significantly from a performance perspective. But I knew that our North Star could be, could be so much tighter. 
at the time we were all about making it easy for busy people to eat well and I realized actually there's another big step we could go to doing that and we had to make big big sacrifices and so so long as early stage teams are all bought into the importance of a triple bottom line Mm. that's the most important thing when to decide whether to apply for the B Corp status or the Better Business Act and all these great things that are going on I think is just largely down to resource and um, and choosing the right moment because it is a it's a full-on process you go through which it needs to be to to hold the respect that it does but it really is then setting those values and living by them and and, and making even tough decisions by them that's got to be part of the dna not just stick a label on it and you know go through the process exactly exactly we've made so many decisions whether it's we, we, we changed some lids on our packaging from plastic to aluminium and it's three times the cost but we did it because we're trying to reduce down our plastic we were the first brand to move into we were using a pulp and um, the offcuts of sugar cane um, in in our dinner box packaging that again was super expensive like uh, so many decisions that you make often to do the right thing is quite financially punitive but it's it's You've got you've got to be making those sacrifices if you're going to truly live by your values. Yeah, and clearly, you know, you're proving that you can still grow a very successful company around that. It, it, it's not that these there's two sides, and you're always having to make sacrifice. Clearly, some of those decisions have an intangible intangible benefit somewhere else, whether it be like you said, recruiting people, uh, keeping people working for you, as well as presumably, you know, getting into the supermarkets, getting in front of the the end uh, retailers with with your brand. So um, I think it's a good lesson for everyone. Actually, those values do create intangible uh, benefit to your company beyond just financial reconciliation on the bottom line. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think one of the things that has enabled me to make some of these tough calls is having a great setup with investors from day one. So absolutely the investors who I've got huge amount of respect for have put money into the business and they're, they are there to, to help the business grow. Uh, but fundamentally they've invested in myself and the team here to make, make the big decisions. And I think where things can often go wrong for founder led businesses and, an early stage startups is where that relationship is not properly set out clearly with investors mm. because if you are in a position where you're saying, listen, I, I, we're doing A and we're making money, but I want to do B because that's right for the values of the business, but that's going to mean it's going to financially hurt us for a while. If the investors are able to veto that and they're on a different page to you and before you know it, things can get, quite messy so I would really encourage anyone who's starting a business where possible to kind of have their red lines and set up uh, that decision making process with the investors. For sure and you've touched on it a little bit but do you remember a specific time where you really I mean it's the traditional sort of I think rite of passage of a CEO founder to enter into the valley of despair but do you remember a specific time over the last sort of seven years that you were really, really challenged? Um, and do you kind of have any advice of like how to get through those downtimes as a, a founder and CEO? I think one time sticks out 
quite quite clearly in the first again for people that don't know our industry and in fmcg it takes circa 12 to 18 months for for an idea to go from ideation to launch um so it, it you might see on the supermarket shelf uh, let's say our um uh, one of our one of our power soups uh, that you could you could make at home because all of our foods are 100% natural no additives preservatives exactly like would make it at home in a piece of packaging um and you would think well, well that 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 shouldn't take that long to be able to come up with that idea and, and make it but it it really does and um in those early stages uh, with bowl we we got a few big product decisions wrong and and it and the performance wasn't where it needed to be in certain parts of our business and i got into a position where if things didn't change quite markedly uh i might have to make people redundant and i remember that feeling and it is one of the most horrible feelings i've had in my career because as a startup arguably one of the most important things you need to do in the early stages get the right people around you and to get the right people that generally already had a level they'll already have a level of experience they might already have a great job security responsibilities i'd certainly had to spend quite a heavy amount of time influencing them to come join me in the mission with ball and so i was i was feeling a mix of emotions but guilt fear um frustration all of those feelings because i really really care about people i love my team i will crawl over hot coals for them and past and present the team here from bowl have just put in a shift on so many levels and i've just got the ultimate respect for them to think that it was all going to go a bit pete tong at moments and i would have to tell them they have to go and find a new job and like that's a pretty pretty horrible feeling so um I don't know within within that what's the piece of advice when you hit a wall find the doors and the windows like you are told no so many times I was told I've been told no so many times with being a bad idea to go it alone and try and start a business in a space with short shelf life and highly competitive and only massive businesses and it's not going to work and then you sail pretty close to the sun like I've just told you on that particular occasion and your own brain is saying to you what the hell are you doing why don't you just go and have a much easier life working for a bigger business probably working half the hours definitely earning a lot more money and having a lot less stress um but there's just something that makes you fight on if you really really care and i think that's the difference if you really really care and you are hugely passionate passionate people don't need to say they're passionate it just comes through in their behavior you just find a way to get through those shit times they will i can just guarantee you there will be so many bouncers that come your way starting a business that you just can't prepare yourself for it's beyond anything i thought I've, I've, the expression i've used is i often feel like every time i turn around i'm standing on a rake and you just get used to it. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. You need resilience. You need grit. You need determination. But fundamentally, that fire has to burn bright deep inside you and your team. Otherwise, it's too easy to throw the towel in. Yeah, it's super interesting. I think that's why 
I get very excited about the future of climate technology and <clears throat> companies for good, because by the very nature of what they're trying to do to improve the planet, it gives you one of the biggest purposes you could possibly have to push through those hard times. So I think the kind of companies we're seeing coming through in the last few years and certainly over the next 10 years are going to be so purpose driven. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be scary, right? Don't know how many more Elon Musk's can be in the world, but if you're purpose driven, it clearly allows you to take much bigger risks and go through much harder times uh, as a founder. Totally, totally. And I think that's why I say to the team, you know, what we is the single biggest environmental decision we face every day and maybe what energy we choose is the second. I don't know. But I, I feel blessed to be working in a sector with people on a business and a brand that is trying to deliver positive change. And I think this whole area of sustainability is the new rock and roll. Everybody's got a view on it and people want to be part of it. And I think we're the generation that now unequivocally knows that there's a better way to like, look after this planet and make it better for generations to come. Mm. 7 billion us now is going to be 10 billion in a few years time. How we can use technology and all this information we now have to do things a better way. Yeah, what a great opportunity for us. Indeed. And now we kind of face a couple of quick fire questions. They're not always actually quick fire answers, so don't feel the pressure to. But um, what piece of technology have you been using recently that you know you couldn't do without? Just before coming in here, I uh, so we're we're based in Paddington Basin. Um, F45, it's like a Barry's boot camp, hit class, and like five, ten people of the team every day either go breakfast, lunch, dinner time. So there's a load of us have just been in there 12:30 till 1:15. And I just love um I love the fact I can absolutely beast myself for 45 minutes. I can look at my watch and see you know what my heart rate is, how many calories I've burned. Just uh, yesterday, I did about four and a half hours of walking and talking uh, down the river and being on, on various calls. And I, I worked, walked nearly 20 kilometers. So I just think for me, just tracking all of the data of my movement throughout the day just really makes me, yeah, makes me feel great. There's definitely a theme going on here <laughs> throughout your life. There's no doubt about that. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, uh, do you have a song on repeat at the moment? <laughs> yes, I definitely do because my little boy Jackson said to me, um, Daddy, you put this song on again. Uh, so it's called Unconditional by Arcade Fire. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, so he sings it. It's about his the unconditional love he has for his son and... It's, you know, Arcade Fire have obviously done loads of like big stadium style hits over the years, but this is more of a lullaby and it hits me right in the heart. So, um, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. There we go. That'll be a good one for our listeners to look up. Um, and then finally, uh, is there anyone that's inspired you, uh, you know, recently? And, and if so, why? I think my favourite podcaster actually at the moment is rich roll have you heard about rich do you know rich roll no yeah so he's he's quite a big big thing in the 
Um, so he's an ultra marathon runner. He's uh, he's broken some pretty crazy uh, like triathlon style records. He's big a big thing in the vegan scene. But he's um, he's a recovering alcoholic, so he's he's had a a hell of a journey and his the way he talks about life i'm i'm pretty spiritual and and the guests that he has on his podcast just every time i listen to him and and his guests it just yeah it it makes me it makes me just want to strive to be better in some way shape or form so yeah i i sometimes find myself like we all do being down about something and I can just put I can just put rich roll on a podcast and half an hour later I just feel better about life so yeah if people don't know rich roll he's definitely worth checking out amazing and then finally obviously thank you so much for your time but where can our listeners uh, reach out to you or find you so I've pretty much taken myself off social media <laughs> so I have uh, the only only thing that I have is LinkedIn uh, so obviously LinkedIn uh, is the best place to connect but more importantly I guess the products that we make so like I mentioned at the beginning so we're available in most of the big UK, UK retailers in the plant-based chill dial and we recently well in fact we've just paused it but we've uh, we're in the likes of Ocado Amazon Fresh but we are setting up our own uh, direct consumer deliverable site in a couple of weeks with a load of new products we're launching so um yeah that's uh that's a good way to check out what we do awesome awesome well again paul thank you so much for your time uh and to the listeners we look forward to speaking to you again next time so uh top tips then what's our what's our biggest learning and takeaway both personally and business wise over the last few weeks i would say for me it is taking time out whether that's half an hour in the morning, half an hour at lunchtime, actually coming off my laptop, coming off the phone, either going for a run, going for a walk. I met a great guy this morning, just reminded me, just take a little half hour each day, come out, whatever you're doing. Uh, it's tempting, isn't it? Just to keep going, keep going, working mm. hard. Um, yeah, take a little bit of time out each day. That is my top tip. I think that's that's something I could certainly do do more of. Obviously, it's quite nice with the dog that yeah. I get forced to do there that. There is a dog underneath here, actually. Yeah, maybe yeah. she'll get brought up in future episodes. <laughs> yeah. She's probably more entertaining than yes. the <laughs> Just put <laughs> the dog there yeah. and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Like That probably get a million views yes. on TikTok anyway. <laughs> Imagine that. That's what blows. We blow up. Yeah, yeah we'll try that. We'll, we'll try that. Dress her up in different yeah. stuff. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, Business-wise... Um, it's an obvious one, and I've been told it by, you know, from all my different networks and advisors and mentors and other founders, but it's so easy to still shy away from it, which just go speak to your customer. Yeah. Just speak to your customer. Yeah, yeah. I honestly think it doesn't really even matter what stage of business you're at, yeah. and, and frankly, whether you're, you know, a sales manager, a CEO, a developer, if you can get on the phone and speak to a couple of customers... Not with a, you know, uh, an objective to get something out of them other than just to listen and, and hear about their problems and what yeah. they're doing and what they're facing. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, good. And I think it's given us personally as well like huge amounts of insight in, yeah. and, and changed quite a lot in, a, in our kind of early access product as well. So, um, And I guarantee it will save you money. It will yeah. save you development money. Yeah. So there is also a genuine financial reason to do yeah. it. But more than anything, just that insight. And as a founder, it starts to help remove some of the ambiguity that we face all the time, right? So um, it can be a little bit stressful to think about doing it. You can put up barriers of why it might be difficult to reach out. Mm. Um, but I mean, you do this so well, but just picking up the phone and having mm. a chat. Yeah, good. Honestly, I think that's that's definitely my, my top tip. We'll have to think of probably a better name for this, like more catchy product name for... Top tips? Top tips, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like, I don't know, like 90s BBC. 90s, or yeah, top like tips. <laughs> well, that's a anyway, start. Maybe, maybe people will respond yeah. and, and give us a name for it. Yeah, and if you um, obviously want to catch up with us or anything that you've listened to in the podcast that you'd like to uh, talk to us about, we're always available at hello at tem.energy, so feel free to reach out. Um, but that's us. Good Take back. care. Enjoy the sun. Here we are. First ever joined podcast. I know. I know. I'm really worried about how I actually performed in the in my first ever podcast, but um, Paul, well, Paul was awesome. Such a cool Paul guy. Paul brilliant. He's so charismatic, isn't he? Yeah, you're going to really enjoy this, or if you've listened to it already. Um, he is he's an inspirational guy, like, mate, in terms of the stuff that he's doing now, yes, vegan food, yes, plant food, yes, environmental issues in food industry are the thing now. He was talking about this 10 years ago. He said it's like uh, the new rock and roll. Yeah. Which I was like, that's interesting because you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should have said he's the Mick Jagger or he's something. He's the Mick Jagger of the, of, the, of, the, of the era. No, he's really, really good. And, and I think for him investing into Tem and for that type of business coming into Tem is like really exciting in terms of like not only values, mm. but like, you know, they are feeling the pinch right now, aren't they? In terms of food manufacturing, the price of food is going up, the price of energy that's producing that food is going up. So we're, we're so aligned. Um, yeah, it's super cool. And also he just, he knows brand. Yeah. It's like, it's an area that I'm just, to me it seems like a mystic art, but he is so passionate about brand and 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 story and yeah. and mission um and obviously he must have picked up a lot of this i think we touched on like um with innocent yeah which is like again one of the best kind of brands and story based kind of companies um but it's so cool to see that kind of come through um hopefully he can help us a little bit <laughs> i'm useless at that stuff genuinely by the way i'm drinking tea and Joe is already on the beers. Uh, um, well, cider, actually. Oh, is it? Oh, Mr. Right. West Country. Oh. And, and it feels like we're in the Bahamas, because I'm... Mate, you're dressed I'm, I'm, I'm dressed, because it's summer, and we've got all these plants, and it's baking hot outside. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it's, uh, you should really be sitting here by yeah. the palm tree, I think, with the, the palm tree t-shirt. Anyway, how's your uh, week been? Um, it's been brilliant. Like... Really, really good. I've spoken to so many different customers this week, whether it be generators, whether it be 
big consumers of energy, whether it be little micro businesses. I spoke to a brilliant micro brewery this morning who start up brewing really good beer in London. Um, and it's like, wow, super inspiring. Um, at the same time, they're all facing similar challenges. And whether that be the price of energy right now, or whether it be t- like transparency, like how do they understand what they're buying? Mm. And even on the generator side, how do they understand what they're being charged? So it's been a really interesting week, yeah. Humbling, is it? Uh, it, is, it is. So going back to like early days of our last yeah. startup, yeah. you forget what it's like it, to, pick, to pick up the phone. It's like, sorry, who? And why do you want to use that? You know, yes. Why are you going to use who, my time up? And who, who are you? Who are you? There's like literally, there's no red carpet whatsoever. No. It's like, pre- it is, for me anyway, it's been quite yeah. humbling going back to the, the basics. It's it's like bottom up, top down, to the left, to the right. I'm I'm cleaning the corridors. Um, I'm speaking to, yeah, people who are building multi-million pound generators. Speaking to some people who don't even know about electricity, what it is. Is it a big part of their business? Actually, it is. Um yeah, it's really humbling. So it's both a challenge from the humbling aspect, but it's brilliantly exciting because I'm learning so much from so many different angles. Um, and as you know, I just love customers. I love chatting to customers. I know. Um, so yeah, it's been a good week. And I, I like. I don't know if you found it, but certainly listening back to some of the interviews we've been doing and the sense of. If you ask the customers what they want or what they're looking for, mm. it doesn't tell you very much. But that underlying emotional feel that mm. we seem to be getting back from renewable generators and mm. businesses, and it's almost like a slight sense of hopelessness. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. where they're kind of just resigned to be like, oh, well, you know, what, what can I do? What can I do about, I'm probably getting ripped off. I don't know the fees I'm being charged. Yeah greenwashing is probably a thing but i don't have the time to solve that problem and i guess i just have to trust you know yeah the amount of extracts we had like i guess i'll just have to trust or yeah you know or what else can i do about it um that emotional sort of tie was one of the most mm. interesting things i think mm. over the last few weeks that i've seen come through yeah um, which is cool because it shows i think like people do care yeah they they've got enough problems going on yeah um but they, they definitely do care about these things. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more aware, I guess, with, with where markets are at the moment as well. Yeah, like I, I think the the underlying thing for me is they're caring more now because, look, let's take that brewery as an example. This time last year, they were spending around 5% of their product was going to energy. Mm. That's now increased to like 30%. So they're entering a market that they want to understand. Um, and hopefully at TEM, we can actually help them understand, but also give them better access. So it is emotional because these are businesses that are getting off the ground and they want to understand something that's quite hard to understand and they're paying even more for it. So yeah, it is very emotional because this is people's businesses. Mm. Gives, I think like, uh, and speaking to the other two founders as well, it's like, in their hopelessness, I have hope because I'm like, there, there can be a better way and it will yeah. come. Um, and actually, I don't know if we touched on it in the podcast, but Paul and I were talking about sort of generally, if you're not in this space, energy or general climate tech, it's very difficult to see a positive future. Mm. 
Because mm. what are you faced with like every day in newspaper? It's just doom and gloom. And as I said, there's no option. You feel like there's no control. The world's going to end. But I think for those in the know and that see that power of technology, <clears throat> I used to think people like Elon Musk were like just stupidly optimistic for the sake of it. But yeah. I think if you can see what technology can do and have faith in that, yeah. um, and you can see an entirely like different or like reimagined way of doing it, yeah. um, you can't help but be optimistic. Yeah. And be like, it's okay, you know, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. hold on, it will get better. You know, whether it's us or someone else, like that, that, that train is now rolling, I think, where it's, it's going to be unstoppable. And I think people are really underestimating how much change will happen in the way that they experience and interact with energy, the way the energy markets are moving over the next 10 years. So as I said, like as a, as a founder and, 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 and speaking to the tech side as well, it's like, we're really excited. Mm. Um, how we position that in front of customers is gonna be uh, super <laughs> interesting because they don't wanna be dealing with any more noise or complexity or difficulty or a yet another new person calling them up. So it'd be super interesting to see how that unfolds. Yeah, and, and like in terms of just like to, to ground that, like it's been really interesting just trying to get people's time to, to talk. And, you know, people want to transact increasingly online, like headline, you know, headline, you know, that's nothing new. And actually, if you look at a lot of these businesses, the optionality that they have today, they've got to spend maybe some hours to speak to someone on the phone. Actually, their, their choice to transact online is quite limited. Mm. And actually, when you do transact online, actually, the level of transparency and the technology there to genuinely enable an entire market access is not there. So, yeah, it's a big challenge um, for us for what we're building. Good luck, Ross and Bartek, for doing that. Um, they're the other co-founders, by the way. Um but actually, it's it's a huge opportunity, as you say, for technology to come in, not from energy. I am. Um, you know, all, all the conversations that we're having with fintech investors, um, fintech developers, actually some of the principles that we're bringing in from banking into energy. It's really exciting for us at TEM, but also as the market is now opening up for genuine technologies coming in. Yeah, it's really exciting. It is, although to be honest, and a bit of a segue to something completely different that you probably don't care about. But like, I'm quite glad we're not meeting customers at the moment face to face. I'm embarrassedly like burnt, I've like burnt <laughs> the back of my arms. I've burnt my chest, right? And this is all from taking a canal boat out oh, for, no. for the weekend. I don't know if anyone has done this before, but like you're moving like a 70 foot, like 23 ton boat at about three miles an hour. So it's like the perfect blend of incredibly dull and incredibly stressful. I'd crash it. Yeah, man, I'd cra I'd crash it. Turning it around <laughs> is just a series of crashes. So, like, the girls are at the front, like, drinking, having fun. I'm at the back, like, a glorified Uber driver for, like, 20 hours. The sun beating down on my arms. Driving we should get boat. some footage of this, I think, for the next podcast of Joe driving the canal boat. That would be a... Uh, it's be definitely good. not going to be a, a company retreat. I don't, I don't think... Um, have you read anything recently or like seen anything interesting that sort of piqued your interest over the last um, week or so? Like, I, I yeah, like, I, as you know, like, I, I love macroeconomics mm. and, and I also love the sort of the core of how it affects people. So one thing I learned today was not great, was that 
interest rates in Poland to 6% randomly. Um, that was like, whoa. And then I looked at power prices from Friday to Monday and month ahead prices in power. So if you're buying power, if you're, if you're going to, to buy power this week, month ahead prices increased by almost 50, 60%. And that was because some of the macroeconomics of Russia. So that wasn't great. Um, but at the same time, I think I've mentioned it already, the brewing industry, like London is like, yes, it's a tech hub, but it's becoming a bit of a brewing hub. I've met some brilliant microbreweries this week who are starting these really cool businesses, very innovative, actually looking at night brewing so you can save energy costs and running in the day, mm-hmm. uh, running a different shift system, just looking at different ways to brew so they're not spending so much on, on chilling the, the, the beer when it's produced. They're getting it out early in the morning, getting it off-site. Um, yeah, that was really cool, actually. Anything from you? What, yeah. completely different. I like this kind of like weird stories, but um, I read about this university in China that's made these little kind of robotic fish that can absorb microplastics from, wow. from the ocean. So they're like couple of centimetres and they're like flexible as well. Are they made um, out of plastic? Well this is what I was wondering. <laughs> right. I, was like, I don't know what's powering them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but apparently they're like, you know, it's made out of uh, I think it's it's made out of like mother of pearl. So it's like natural Wow. And and really good obviously for, for what they're doing. And yeah. they, they're gonna let these loose in the ocean to sort of clean it up. And they can also do like really cool stuff like self heal. I don't even know what that means, but like if they get ripped or something and they apparently they can self heal up to like eighty five percent. Wow! So this is the stuff I think. Like if you like all of this cool stuff, like we'll be all right. I mean, maybe we'll have a ro- robotic ocean, which is a bit scary. But like that kind of innovation <laughs> is so you go fishing cool. and you catch one. <laughs> Caught another one. Um, but it's so cool. And there's something about the. I don't. I think it's some sort of like um, electrostatic or something to do with the skin of the robotic fish that allows it to attract these kind of microplastics and it can drag up to like five kilograms or something of plastic wow, wow. Um, which is really good cool. it's just so cool to see all of these you love like, that you can tell who's the technology guy and and, and who just chats with people all day but yeah, <laughs> yeah you talk about beer <laughs> talking about chinese made yeah, robotic fish <laughs> what else have i learned this week i think that's probably about it um it's been it, a pretty intense week, hasn't it? It has generally? been, a, yeah, but, but really cool. Like, I, I think, yeah, there's a lot happening. But as you, as you said earlier, as we look ahead and as technology comes in to solve more and more of the problems that we're having in energy and, and as we genuinely start to help customers to learn more about energy, um, as the industry becomes more transparent, um, I'm hopeful at the end of the week. Um, maybe if we did this at the start of the week, um, when power prices went up by 60%, I'd be like, oh my goodness. But yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, small wins then. Yeah. That's cool. Well, look, if uh, you're interested, obviously, in hearing more about the human stories behind some of these like technology advancements, that's what we're here to do. We're really on a mission to demystify and kind of make it more accessible. Like A lot of the people mm. that we meet mm. as founders who are doing really cool stuff, they're really normal and they've come from actually really normal backgrounds. Um, you know, they're, they're, and, and you meet someone like Paul, super down to earth, yeah. right? 
but he's got an obsession. He works hard. He's clearly backed up by some talent. But, um, you know, it's not sort of alien geniuses coming up with like this in laboratories. It's just people really yeah. looking at mission-focused businesses. So that's what we're hoping to, to bring to you more. Um, so, of course, thank you for your time. Um, and hopefully you've enjoyed our podcast. You've been listening to Climate Tech Stories and The Average Joe. If you want to be a climate tech pioneer and have a story to tell you think needs to be heard, talk to us at hello at tim4energy.com. Thanks, y'all. See you soon.